fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. <laughs> it's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well-being. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. This is Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. Uh, today we are going to touch on something that affects all of us that's not food, uh, but in some ways you might think of it as food for your skin, although it doesn't really feed your skin, uh, but it is something that's going to go on your skin and we all hopefully use it. It's called soap. <laughs> Some time ago, um, I actually, uh, I just moved to uh, Hawaii two and a half years ago now. And when I was in New Jersey, I used to make soap um, maybe once or twice a year. And it was really easy because I, I made it from lye and lye heats up tremendously when it touches water. And uh, what I would do is I would just stick it outside because it was always cold. Uh, that doesn't happen here as, as often. So, uh, but one of the things that, that kept happening when I started making soap, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it is because it is more natural. It is what our ancestors have done uh, for centuries uh, to uh, remove uh, dirts uh, from our skin. Some people are against that. They They want to oil themselves and scrape that off, but you know, take that to the bank. Uh, and, and then there's other people like, uh, I remember some time ago I went to, uh, a nutrition conference and there was a woman there selling liquid soap and she was telling me how liquid soap was the only kind of soap that you should use on your skin because of the alkalinity and the whatever. And, uh, really try to put fear, uh, into me about not using my own homemade product. Um, and I'm sure that many of you, especially if you've gotten into soap making, have gotten a lot of these things. You know, don't use things on your body that you're not going to put into your body that you wouldn't eat. Again, are there limits on that? Is there something else that we can do? So what I decided was that I was going to invite my friend Dana Christensen from Big Island Soap Company. She is a soap maker like none other that I have seen. Uh, and we're going to, you'll, you'll find out why in just a moment. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you very much for having me. So Dana, what do you think about this whole liquid versus solid soap? Is it, am I doing myself so charm when I use your soap? Not that you're going to say that your, your product is bad <laughs> or my, my soap, which is made, which was made in the same way that you make yours. Yeah. Personally, I don't like paying for water, so I don't like <laughs> liquid soap. <laughs> Um, it's also, uh, more frequently a detergent and, um, more chemicals are added because of that. Um, I, I really like the solid bar, uh, soap. It's moisturizing, gentle on the skin. Um, and the kind of soap that I make is only all natural with no added, uh, you know, no chemicals. Uh, of course we do use lye as all soap. You have to use lye if you're going to have soap. So there's that. But other than that, it's 
regular hour. Right. And and this is a this is an issue I think for a lot of people because we hear words like lie and we think of gasping for air. We think that it's so dangerous. It's it's this right. horrible horrible thing. Yes, in its raw form, especially when you just add water to dry lye, it mm-hmm. is cost. It's extremely caustic. Exactly. Uh, so is stomach acid, right? Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, provided that you have enough stomach acid. But there's also something that I think a lot of people aren't aware of, which is that lye changes its form and it and it mellows out basically, uh, and it's it's not that caustic. That's exactly right. Um, uh, a substance anymore once you cure it with the fats mm-hmm. and really it's just the fats it's just the it's the water and the fat that you add to it and that's it's creates that um emulsification yeah right? ex- that's exactly right um yeah the lye the lye molecules combined with the acid you know the, the fatty acids the fats or oils that you're using and it changes to an entirely different molecule. You're no longer left with the original fats that you used, and you're no longer left with the lye. You now have a soap molecule, and that's the process of saponification. Right. And so, if it was if it was dangerous, then you wouldn't be able to undo that process and get your original ingredients. Right. right? Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. like baking a cake. You can't mm-hmm. you can't pull the eggs out later. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're saying that uh, to be True soap, it must contain lye. That's correct. What's the crap they sell in the supermarket? <laughs> they are usually marketed as either detergents or cleansing bars or beauty bars and things like that. Um, and it's because they use different surfactants to create what what we know as as a lathering, cleansing, either liquid or solid. Um, so they add different chemicals that produce a larger, um, you know, fluffy lather or um, cleansing agents that do bind with dirt and oils and rinse away, but it's not actually soap. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, so when people say I'm going to go buy some soap or, you know, right, you it's, wash your mouth out with soap, whatever. Yeah. It's, usually it's, it's, it's beauty ball. <laughs> usually it is exactly. Um, yeah. And you know, that's where the terminology can get confusing. You think soap and you think, you know, it could be laundry soap. It could be dish soap. It could be body soap, face soap. Only a very small percentage of those are actually soap. It is ivory actually soap. That's ivory is actually right. Soap. That's the yep. only one that is mm-hmm. because does your soap float? That's, that's another. <laughs> I never. I have a shower. What does your soap float? That's that's that was their whole marketing thing. That's, it, yep, yep, it does, and um, yeah, not as not as high. So I think ivory soap. They uh, the way they make it um, so so white and lightweight is um, they when they're making it they whip a lot of air into it too, so it yes. floats higher. But uh, but yeah, it does. Actually, I used a blender to make my soap because it took less time to do it in the blender than to, to to stir it by hand. I do too. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so then what are the the differences? Like we talk about, there's the glycerin soaps, mm-hmm. which are usually those kits that they give little kids or Martha Stewart puts right. out, right? Those kind of things. Uh, there's glycerin, and then there's a hot process and a cold process. Can you mm-hmm. describe where those three things line up Absolutely. against each other? If it's 100% glycerin, that is glycerin that has been extracted from other soap. Glycerin is a natural byproduct of the saponification process. Um, those molecules combine together, you're left with soap and some glycerin. And um, a lot of the companies like that sell beauty bars and things um, make most of their money by extracting the glycerin that they make through the first bar of soap, selling that as a block of glycerin to somebody else, and then adding 
the other surfactants, chemicals and things to replace those moisturizing qualities of the glycerin because it's more profitable for them. Mm -hmm. um, so glycerin soap is more expensive. And uh, if you want to talk about the negatives and positives of glycerin, we can do that too. Um, but for, for mm -hmm. this right now, there's the um, glycerin hot process, cold process. So hot and cold process are very similar. It's just pretty much the time that is required uh, that separates them. The Like you said, the lye creates its own heat when it's added with the water. And we use that heat, you know, under the right temperature frame to, to then either choose whether you're going to do hot process or cold process. If you're going to do cold process, you add the lye water to your fats. You keep it generally cooler than you would hot process, okay. adding no artificial heat. You're only using mm. the heat that's created by the lye right. water. Okay. Um, and then, so you, just like you're saying, stick blender, some kind of blender, blend it really well, and then you just let it sit after it's molded. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that takes a longer time, takes longer to cure, because um, the lye slowly saponifies with the oils. If you add more heat after the lye water has been combined, then that's the hot process. That's much faster. It's, mm. I choose to use that method okay. um, because I can control every little step and when I want it to saponify, when I want to add my extra oils or my essential oils for the fragrance. Right. Um, so that's that's the large difference is the time that's required and the temperature um, you know dictates that. Okay. Now, uh, let's go back to glycerin because mm -hmm. I hate glycerin soap. Yeah. Why? Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it, makes, <laughs> it makes me feel dirtier. It, yeah. has, it leaves this nasty slick on my skin. Yeah. It just feels this really sticky and yeah, really unpleasant. And, so mm -hmm. it, it's pretty laughable that it costs more. <laughs> I know. And it's because, you know, um, glycerin is um, an emollient. It attracts moisture to your skin. And um, a little bit of that is great. I know. But but too much of it, and then you're left with that sticky, slimy, you know, feeling that you like kind of can't rinse off. The other reason I don't like it is because um, since it does attract moisture, have you ever like opened, you know, and they're usually transparent, right? The glycerin soaps. So have you ever opened a glycerin soap, put it in the shower, don't even use it, and then you come back later if it's a humid day and it looks like it was rained on, yes. you know, it has all these yes. yes. And, that, uh, that mucky mess. Mm -hmm, Nasty. Exactly. It <laughs> sticks to your soap dish. It dissolves away. And you're like, why did I just pay twice right. as much for something that's going to last half as long? Yeah. So that's that's the trouble with glycerin soap. A lot of people like it because um, they can say that it's uh, a non-animal soap, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it didn't originally come from that. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, what's left over. And I think the reason they can say that is because, um, like we kind of talked about, um, the molecules change. It's no longer, um, like if you use tallow in your soap, it's no longer tallow once it's right. been saponified. Right. So then they don't need to say that this glycerin came from an animal. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's, it's so loaded and it just reminded me as you were talking about this concept of not putting anything that you can't eat on your skin. If you have real soap in your house, mice will eat it. Right. And you have, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I have um, many a time come that you know, left some soap drying to find yeah. that um, they had little tooth marks. In it. Yes. <laughs> it was well, they're clean from the inside out. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they love it. It's, yeah. And so they, I think that's actually pretty uh, funny. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so it is. Uh, and from that standpoint, I think that animals have more wisdom than we do about what they put in their bodies. Oh, not, the not that I'm, the, not, I'm not, you know, dining on soap tonight <laughs> not even yours uh, but uh but at the same time i do feel that it's uh it's pretty 
interesting indicator. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me also of a, a friend of mine who she was staying at her parents' house. She was in between homes or whatever. And so she had her shelf in the cabinet of her real food. And then her parents had the shelf right above it with their kicks and mm. whatever other, you know, breakfast cereals and yada yada crackery whatever yeah. uh they never touched that they ate her food they ate my friend's food <laughs> because her food was in in its real form yeah mm -hmm. so, you know, yeah much more appealing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. yeah so um now you talked about tallow tell us about yeah. your choice to use tallow because one thing that we're always talking about on this show is the fact that people are always looking for whenever they want to be healthy they think they have to move away from animal products mm. and they have to start using uh the vegetable oils and as a matter of fact speaking of vegetable oil uh last time i i tried to use glycerin and soap i actually got it from uh somebody's car you know when they made fuel for their car and glycerin was the the byproduct of that and so it gave me a bunch of glycerin <laughs> <laughs> I played with it, uh, but you know that's that's another thing to keep in mind about vegetable oil. Uh, but why, you know, yeah. why why did you choose to use tallow? Why an animal fat? Yeah, I'm a proud user of tallow, and I will never use anything else. Um, for I mean, first off, the quality that you get from the bar—it's a harder bar, it's a longer-lasting bar, the it's a more mild cleansing. Um, you know, if you use uh, something like coconut oil, which is great, it's extremely stripping. You have to add either a whole lot of other oils at the end mm -hmm. to, you know, compensate for the fact that you're stripping away all of your own. Um, but so the tallow doesn't do that. And um, I also really like it because, um, I mean, I can get it local, you know, it's sustainable. It's a product that nobody else is using, um, mm -hmm. you know, out of, out of that animal. And um you know, you can't really beat that. I mean, you're using the waste product from, you know, it's, it's waste to, yeah, for... it's waste to people who will no longer eat it. Right, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. it's it's ridiculous that uh, we look down on these these. You know, you take advantage of the whole animal. If it's going to be slaughtered, let's use as much as we can. And mm -hmm. and our uh, society is too hell bent on just these choice cuts and the choice pieces of this for using that and and doing right. whatever. And we've got to chemically derive every ingredient to make our soap now because we're right. too lazy to and actually yeah. it's, it's probably much easier <laughs> yeah absolutely oh my gosh i cut out so many steps by using tallow i mean it's unbelievable you know the alternative is um something like palm oil which we'll talk about later but um you know that has to be grown somewhere else shipped here yeah. and you know and then you have to take these different you know kind of um steps to to try to make back what you're losing by not using something like tallow or lard yeah um, you know from yeah, I made mine I always made mine with lard yeah. sometimes from tallow if I yeah. could get enough of it mm -hmm, exactly. but, um yeah I, I love my my lard soap and I love your tallow soap it's... and that's why that's why we friends right? <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll keep that in mind <laughs> so don't change that formula or else <laughs> no not a chance I mean I've tried so many different formulas you know and unfortunately people really want um or, you know, the, the general market. And I, I believe that it's more of an ignorance thing, um, you know, and no, no fault of theirs. I mean, I only learned about all of this after I started making soap and, you know, trying to pick the best way, all natural, local, sustainable, um, you know, making the right choices wherever I could. Um, that's what kind of brought all this to light for me. And uh, yeah, I mean, people in general want an all vegetable soap, but they don't realize the environmental damages associated with that. They don't realize the you know, large number of chemicals that's frequently put into it to compensate for what you're losing by not using the animal fats. Um, and you know, that goes the same for, um, for like goat milk soap and stuff like that too, you know? Yeah. I think when people take that, you know, it has to be all vegetable 
route, they also don't realize the, I don't want to say that they don't realize, they maybe choose to ignore, because I think these people are savvy enough to know that it exists. They have to make an excuse now to have to throw away plastic is what I'm getting at. Right. Mm -hmm. Because these are not ingredients that you can make yourself in your backyard. Nobody's squeezing corn for oil right. or, or mm -hmm. what have you, or canola. Exactly. Which, by the way, I don't know if you ever tried making soap with canola. Nope. Uh, a friend of mine who made goat milk soap with lard uh, in Pennsylvania, she uh, tried to do it once with canola oil. She said it would not set. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not even a real plant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a, it's a genetically modified plant, Absolutely. which a lot of people don't realize. And yeah. she said uh, out of all the vegetable oils, it was the absolute worst for, for a soap attempt. And she, yeah. and she tried many times and talked to other people. And, and if they did get it at all to set to some extent, it would dimple and do very weird unnatural things yes which mm -hmm. is pretty much a testament to what it is yeah for <laughs> right? sure for sure um a lot of the vegetable soaps um you know because what you need you need a combination of um oils or fats you know of any variety whether it's animal or uh, plant-based that have steric acid which is a hard fatty acid um and Short chain. yeah mm -hmm. you know and liquid fats and that's uh you know like olive oil anything that is liquid at room temperature is is a liquid fat and um, it's really hard when you're making a vegetable soap. It's really hard to combat that. You either need a whole lot of coconut oil, mm -hmm. um, and then again compensate for the stripping qualities that it has. I mean, and what would what would compensate? Would it be something like a shea butter? Yeah, shea butter. Yeah, or adding um, tallow. Or yeah, tallow exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or adding more oils at the end after the saponification has taken place. Mm, um, yeah. And, yeah. And we call that, that super fatting. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I did that once. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I do it with all my recipes and, you know, I feel like most people that want the vegetable recipes, it's because they don't like the idea of rubbing cow fat on their face. And that just freaks them out. Oh, see, and, and that turns me on. <laughs> <laughs> and husband. that's why we're friends. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, hello. <laughs> so, um, so tell, tell me about, you talked about uh, using essential oils. Mm -hmm. Before we got on air, uh, we were talking, obviously, and I, and you said something about the commercial soaps don't use essential oils. They right. use fragrance. What the hell is fragrance? Fragrance oil. That's exactly what you have to be asking yourself. If you're concerned with this kind of thing, what yeah. the heck is a fragrance oil? What does that mean? It's a synthetic blend of chemicals designed to make your nose think it's smelling orange or, you know, jasmine or something like that. So it's right? the equivalent of the the it's dyes that go into food or mm -hmm. or the natural flavors. Right. Those, yes. those mysterious natural spices. Yes. What kind of natural, <laughs> natural flavors? flavors? You know, yeah. my foot is a natural flavor. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> you don't want to be eating that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. So, um, yeah. Okay. So you. So, and you use, I use uh, only essential oils. Essential oils. Uh, now we're going to take this a step mm -hmm. further. Essential oils. Is there, do people want therapeutic grade is pure enough? Right. What's so for something like soap, I choose to use an edible version of, ex, um, of essential oils. Uh, but that's, that's by choice. You don't need to for soap. Um, all of the oils that I use are organic, um, or, you know, organically derived from organically grown plants. Right. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, they're just the plant matter distilled, pressed, then you're left with that oil. I forgot the question that you asked me. <laughs> 
Is there a, a difference uh, between the therapeutic versus the pure essential oils? You know, oh, where, right. you know, cause we taught, we, now we've distinguished the fragrance oils from the essential oils. So within, right. within the therapeutic grade, the pure, and there's something else in between. Yeah. It's I'm sure. Complete or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, is, is one preferable to another? I believe it has to do with two different things. The equipment that they use, because of course a standards for something edible is going to be much more, um, you know, expensive to, to produce. And if, you're, if your market is not for feeding these people essential oils, if it's for, you know, things, things like soap and lotions and body butters, then, um, you know, a lot of companies that distill their own oils don't want to go that extra, yes. you know, extra mile to get that done. Um, the other thing is some plants require um like a solvent of some kind to yes. extract the, the oil and um and that's that's the only other option that well, i can think what of. would that solvent be Do you know i know i'm is? not exactly sure it might even be something like lye um mm. but uh you know because i mean they use lye to cure um oranges like mandarin oranges make mm. bagels pretzels you know all sorts of things mm. um, but pass um, the locks yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Um, so then, uh, you you also touched on uh, legal issues of calling mm -hmm. something soap. Yes. What's that all about? Like, yeah. Why... It's it's a little complicated because you are not legally obligated to um, list the ingredients in what is called soap, which I don't understand. I mean, everybody deserves to know what the heck is in what they're buying and and, 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 and especially in this day and age when people are reacting so violently many times and you know having anaphylactic reactions just For by sure. inhaling certain things exactly we mm -hmm. yeah we should need to know that but Yes. I guess there's not that much actual soap on the market anyway. So. I know, but yes, technically, in order for somebody to call anything soap, it needs to be a combination between um, an alkali base like lye and acids like fats and oils, um, and then you can call it soap. Anything else, that's why we find beauty bars and cleansing bars and things like that, because a lot of times they're not actually soap. You know, they didn't actually combine these two to make soap, um, so the molecules aren't technically soap. Their detergents. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's that's where that comes in, and the ingredients listing. I mean, you know, I want to know what I'm buying, so I put it on my ingredients list. But a lot mm -hmm. of times, you'll look and it just says handmade natural soap. Right. What does that really mean? Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And uh, yeah, this is an important distinction to make because it's easy for. I, I know that a lot of our listeners, uh, they are googling what to use on my body now that I'm not using these chemical, these, you know, heavy, nasty chemicals, right. but there's not really a lot of alternatives. And then there's, and then you're telling us, you know, that there's not even a standard. Exactly. Just like the word nutritionist doesn't it's, it's really have a standard. a huge gray area. Yeah. Um, there is no standard. There's, yeah, there's no way, um, you know, you have to rely on uh, your soap maker and that's why I was it's gonna important. Say Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I was just just about to say that's why it's important just to to know the person making your soap as much as you know the person growing your vegetables, raising yeah. your meat, milking your cows or, mm -hmm. or goats, whatever. Yeah, you find a good source of that. You know, a person who makes soap the way you want it to be made that lists the ingredients that they use and that you trust, and you know, start up a conversation. Because <laughs> one thing I have found over the years is that people who do the things that you don't want to happen, whether it's in your cosmetic products or your food. They would, uh, they would denigrate your choice to 
go green, be sustainable, mm -hmm. use animal fats, whatever, before they would actually lie to you. Yeah. You know, it's like their ego gets the best of them and they're not, they, they can't compute. And they're like, well, that's stupid. Why would you do that? And then yeah. you say, well, you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not Moving buying your on. product. Exactly. I'm going somewhere else. So uh, let's let's shift gears just a little bit and uh, talk about making soap at home because you make soap and you sell soap and we'll tell you how to get in touch with her at the end uh, if you want to buy some of her soaps, which by the way, I buy them now because I don't have to make them <laughs> because I have her um, and I like to support my local people. But um you know, making soap at home, because I'm sure there's other people here who have tried to make soap or, or thinking about making it just as a craft, something maybe they can do with their kids, something mm -hmm. maybe they even want to start a business. What are some of the other tips? Because we talked about the basic process. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the other things that people may want to know? We know that the, the about the fats, the coconut oil. What about essential oils? When's the best time to add an essential oil? Yeah. So there is some wiggle room in that area, and depending on whether or not you're doing hot or cold process, or even melt and pour, which is basically the blocks of glycerin soap, they do make blocks of other soap that you can then melt down and then add your own colors or essential oils at the end after it's liquid, um, and then you set it up you know, in a mold and, and let that set and get hard. I choose to add my essential oils at the very end, um, and again, I do hot process, so I combine... 100% of um, the lye that it takes, or I should say, I combine the lye water mixture with, um, in a way that saponifies 100% of the fats that I'm yes. using. And so no glycerin, way, no glycerin no, byproduct. Um, well, no, there still is oh, actually. Is? Okay. Yeah, so it's that's that's a natural byproduct of just saponification in did. general. Um, well, no, see, it's mixed in though. It oh, doesn't I see rise to the top. Oh, it's okay. None of that. Yeah, I see. It's mixed gotcha. in. It's, that's yeah, right. That's right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Go on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so once uh, once you mix that and um, everything is saponified, I do that because just like I was saying, a lot of people don't like the idea of rubbing unsaponified mm -hmm. tallow on their face, right? And whatever, I can understand that. Um, so I make sure that all of my oils are saponified, and then at the very end, after that saponification has taken place, or as we call it, come to trace, which just means the liquid is thicker, mm -hmm. um, and you know it leaves a trace when you bring the stick blender up and you drag it across the top, it sits on the top for a minute, kind of like pudding consistency. Yes, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So after that, um, I let it cook in the crock pot. That's what I use because mm -hmm. I also do it in my kitchen. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I let it cook in the crock pot um, for about... 20 to 40 minutes depending on the batch that I'm making and the size of it and then so the saponification is now done the lye has been combined those molecules have changed now I add my super fats um, and that's the I use coconut oil and um, extra virgin olive oil okay. and you know both organic um, and um, the reason I do that is because I can control you know coconut oil is so good for your skin and mm. it's unsaponified right. form right? right it's a little ironic that it's so moisturizing when it's not saponified and so stripping when it is but mm -hmm. it's because 100% of that oil is saponified when you add the lye first I add the super fats and then I add the essential oils um, and that's pretty much the last step right before the end because um, the oils have different flashpoints so that means if um, your soap is 212 degrees and your alang-alang essential oil has a flash point of 206, you need to bring that down or mm -hmm. wait, stir, you know, wait until it's cool enough. That way you get all of your essential oil. You're not um, evaporating that into nothingness. Um, mm -hmm. So you have to wait for the right temperatures. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to touch on because I mm -hmm. think uh, uh, it, 
I, in my previous experience, some people, uh, home soap makers would uh, add the essential oils too early and then it mm-hmm. would evaporate, like you said. And, exactly. they, and so they're just kind of wasting their money. And yeah. especially if you're doing the food grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So for every, I don't know, uh, what, I don't even know what the smallest batches that you've ever made the every quart of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my, maybe, mine you know, are like, about um, 34 ounces. Um, you know, it's maybe um, four for, for 34 ounces, um, I use, depending on the essential oil, between one ounce and an ounce and a half okay. in an entire loaf. And that gives me 12 bars, you know, at roughly you okay. know, three, four ounces a piece. That's, in my opinion, the way to do it. I choose to do it like that. When you're doing cold process and you're adding essential oils, you have to add them in the beginning when you add the lye because mm. you don't touch it again after that, which is why it's important right. to bring that temperature down in right. the beginning and you don't want to add any extra heat. Unfortunately, since your essential oils are oils, some of that is saponified um, when you're doing, you know, the, the cold process with the lye. I just remembered there mm-hmm. was one thing that I remembered reading about needing to use more essential oils when you use animal fat than when you use vegetable oil. Is that true or no, is that a myth? It is a myth. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> it's just another way to <laughs> man is trying way. to keep us from using animal fats. I think that myth stemmed from. Um, at least a couple different things, but um, the one that comes to mind most is that people say that your um, animal fat soap, whether it's tallow or lard, has a smell afterwards. They add more to compensate for that. But if your soap maker knows what they're doing, then it does not have any smell. I mean, there's so little smell to start with. I mean, you, you know, it's like, and then by the there. time the lie gets at it. Exactly. And it's changed. It's not tallow yeah. anymore. It's not lard anymore. It doesn't smell like the pig. It doesn't smell like the cow because it's not the pig or the cow. I love the smell of lard. Yes, me too. <laughs> it's almost a shame it's it like, doesn't yeah, linger. It's like, mmm, like, pie, soap. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> delicious. Um, okay, so that's that's a myth. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much figured. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I was always just too cheap to use more. So mm-hmm. I, I never did. And, and I never had any problem with it maintaining that, right. that smell over time no you know, no I, I still exactly. have a few bars that my husband had shipped over here mm-hmm. uh recently from that i made probably three years ago and they still smell great so. yeah absolutely i mean the only thing you have to add more to is the cold process and that's because a small portion of your essential oils are eaten up by the lye um and that's the only reason you need a little bit more right yeah. okay okay what are some of your favorite things to add to soap other than essential oils exfoliants clays yeah. Exactly. Um, I love, so the colorants that I use are only all natural colorants. I use everything from activated charcoal to spirulina algae, Mm. red clay, um, coffee grounds, orange peels, oatmeal. I mean, there's, the list goes on and on. Turmeric is a wonderful one. Um, Both the smell and the color is just beautiful. What I love about that too is that, particularly for us in in Hawaii, but even to some extent, you get oranges in New Jersey or Mm -hmm. we're both from New Jersey and, you know, there's so many things around you that you can just add to to your soaps. It's coffee grounds, it's cornmeal. Well, if you have maybe a loofah that you're not using. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. You can, I mean, I have a friend that, um, back East, uh, he has a uh, juniper tree. He used the, he uses the juniper berries ground Mm. up. They had a nice smell, wonderful exfoliant. (laughs) Smell of gin (laughs) on your body. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Now this is, this has been, this is, this is the other reason I'm going to confess that Mm. I like to buy your soap. Your soap looks pretty. (laughs) Why, thank you. I never could get mine to mold properly. I tried everything from the shoebox lined with 
plastic wrap or whatever yeah. to the actual soap molds that crack mm-hmm. to um, the silicone soap. Yes. Or uh, not soap, uh, uh, like candy mm-hmm. cake yeah. muffin, whatever mold. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I've tried, I've tried a bunch of them and they still look like crap. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> well, um, so I had to experiment a little bit too. I started out with, um, a box that I, you know, screwed together, uh, you know, in the dimensions that I want was cutting them by hand. Um, but man, that was such a pain with lining it with wax paper and taping it. And then right. like the liquid soap leaks in around the corners and it's stuck and, you know, just too difficult. So I eventually um, did graduate to the um, rectangular silicone molds that are flexible. But I think the key is when you add it. And that's one thing with the hot process that you really have to be on top of. You can't let it um, get too dry or too hard yes. because the heat not only does it make the moisture evaporate, but then once you're cooling it, ready for the essential oils, if too much moisture is already evaporated and then you're bringing your temperature down, that soap is starting to set already. So you're going to get cracks and crumbles and air pockets. But if you so, and never really had the cracks and crumbles, air pockets. it came where the, in like the unmolding and the cutting. You know, mm. like I would cut it and I tried like the cheese wire and right. and then it would still be like not a clean cut there would be that little extra piece that would stick somewhere right 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 yeah so in my soap cutter you know once once i add that into the mold and unmold it and that's the other thing so the um hot process i can unmold really only a few hours after i set it you know as soon as it cools it's it's solid enough to be unmolded and then i wait a day and then i cut it um but i also made my own soap cutter um which is not necessary um i did it just because i you know with the volume of soap and everything but um I think a small straight blade is the way to go. The wires sound like sounds like a great idea, but it's flexible, so then yeah. you get the slight, you know, yeah. wiggle back and forth. And then unless you can make that look consistent and intentional, right. it looks like exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, okay. Straight thin blade mm. with with something so on like either a gui- end. A guillotine. A, a guillotine. That's exactly what I made. Yeah, because mm-hmm. both both sides of my blade are under control, and I just put downward pressure and it cuts them straight every time. Nice. It might not be perfectly even, but they're straight. <laughs> <laughs> like my haircut. Um, <laughs> so, um, okay. And, so, and the last thing that I wanted to ask you about was uh, reducing waste when yeah. it comes to soap, because you always get those little nubs at the very end and I never want to throw those out. Right. Now I, I have a friend who also used to make so a totally different person. <laughs> totally, <laughs> used to make her own soap. She owned a farm and uh, she would put them in like an old, uh, a leftover, uh, pump soap bottle with mm-hmm. some water and then use that as liquid soap for washing your hands. I thought that was brilliant. That's a great idea. Uh, mm-hmm. are, are there other things that you recommend? Can you use it as detergent for your clothes? Like what? If it's a, if it's a moisturizing body bar, I don't recommend using it as detergent for your clothes because again, it has the super fat. So That's it has true. those oils mm. in it. So, you know, your, your clothes might get a little bit of residue if you use it, you know, only that for, you know, time right. and time again. You can double boil it in anything from like a coffee tin or, you know, anything or a pot that you don't want to use again. I mean, you can still, you know, it's just a little bit extra work cleaning it after that. But, um, hey, it's soap already, right? Yeah, exactly. I was going to say it's soap. It's self-cleaning. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, But, yeah, so just put it in with a little bit of water over a double boiler. Um, If you're really on top of it, you don't need to double boil it. You could use a flame, too. But, you know, then you might burn it if you're not paying close Mm. attention. So I recommend the double boiler and, uh, yeah, you just liquefy it. Um, you know, all the little pieces and even when I'm doing a rebatch soap, I chop them up into little pieces so it melts more consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so melt it down, 
get a piece of wax paper if you don't want to bother with a mold piece of wax paper inside of a cup or just in a, um, a little cake tray depending if you have or you know like the little brownie um, bread pans or something like that um, I also use uh, muffin tins every now and then mm. because they make the little silicone right. muffin you know actually you just reminded me of something that I used to do is I, I would let it get uh, to sort of play-doh consistency mm -hmm. and just make little balls and, exactly. and use those for guest soaps in the in the uh spare that's exactly bathroom. right i'm doing that for somebody right now um yeah because she was like you know your bars are so gorgeous but they last so long and they're so big i need something tiny so i'm mm. i'm making her smaller ones doing exactly that so i just get it to the right temperature i slap it on the wax paper first let it cool to the point where i can pick it up and then just yeah, like just you said once it's it. play-doh yeah pack it into a ball or whatever shape you want right and then Go right. from there. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, actually, now I'm going to ask you another question. I do yeah. this to everybody because I'm like, oh, I have one question. And then, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I have one more question. Uh, what is um, rebatching? You mentioned that, mm. and I forgot to touch on that. Uh, we talked about rebatching versus milling. You know, when does it, when, when do you use rebatching? Yeah. So um, the only time. And what is it? <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's basically reclaiming a lost or less than desirable batch of soap. The times that I have used it have been if I don't like the color of my soap or if um, the consistency is wrong, if it's too dry and I put it into the mold that happened in the beginning and it was crumbly. Mm. So then I was like, oh man, okay, heat it up, add a little bit more water, try again. Or if the fragrance isn't the right, if you have like too little fragrance and you can't smell it, you know, you're trying to get away with as little as possible yeah. and you're like, oh no, it really needs a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Rebatch it, melt it down, add some more, start over, um, which is great about soap if it's if it's natural, you know, actual soap, there's no such thing as lost soap. It could always be heated up, melted again, used again, molded again, colored again, scented again. Yeah, there's there's no reason to have soap waste. And I tell people, you know, if you're not super dedicated to, to doing that, bring me your soap scraps, you know, and I'll, I'll do it. Um, nice. Yeah. Because, um, you know, once you, once you heat it up again, it doesn't matter what it was used for or on, or, you know, you bring it to above boiling and then, you know. Yeah, actually, you're, um, as we talk, more memories are coming up for, mm -hmm. for me. And not only with failed batches of soap, but with uh, those little pieces that are left over. Uh, sometimes what I would do is I would make uh, just a plain bar and mm. sometimes I would, you know, scent it or color it or with clays or what yeah. have you. And then I would take those little scraps and put them in there. So when you'd slice it, you'd get these, yes, these the chunks pretty chunks the, yeah. in there, um, which people pay top dollar for that in, in some stores, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's another way that you can uh, reuse those little pieces. You but also can. with the rebatching, it's sort of, I actually, I just screwed up some mayonnaise the other day and I ended up, and then I screwed it up again. <laughs> <laughs> I went online and I was like, how do you save mayonnaise? And I did the thing and it's totally screwed up again. So then I just, I was like, okay, you just sit over there. And I did a good batch of mayonnaise and then I gently poured in the failed batch and fixed it. And that's one of the things that I've done with uh, soap as well. I've made a good batch and then I just, you know, very gradually added little bits yeah. of the failed batch until I got what I, you know, as much as I felt I could go without destroying the second. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and it does, you know, there's so many fun things you can do with um, soap like that in terms of the colors and everything. And um, that's a great way. And, you know, the other thing too is you could put it in your, like if you're um, having like a hot bath, put those little soap chunks and shavings in, in the tub and let the wa hot water run over it. It's going to suds up and be like a really nice bubble bath. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, people sell sh soap shavings and that's just like somebody else's either 
oops or yeah. like scraps or something, you know, so just do it yourself. Right. Right. Um, so it's, it's very forgiving. It is sure what you're is. Saying. And, it and, sure is. And we, I think as we get away from the kind of commercial purchase of soaps mm -hmm. and, and things that are intended for particular uses, like you say, the bubble bath, yeah. like, oh, this one says bubble bath, so I can only use it as bubble bath. Right. That kind of mentality, as, as we get away from that, as that's when our, we can unleash that creativity yeah. and start using just what we have around. It's Definitely. Not, Break it's not free, always... use your imagination. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. There was something else too that I wanted to mention earlier um, when you were asking me about the reasons I choose to use tallow. Yes. Um, and um, a, a huge one, first it was the quality, but then as I learned more about that, you know, I was concerned with um, supplying the, the vegan market and the people who were interested in the, in the vegetable soaps, because they also, you know, that's everybody's choice. They also deserve to have a good, you know, yeah. quality bar that they know what's in it, all natural, all that stuff. Um, and the more and more I was learning about it, um, your only other choices are pretty much, you know, in terms of hard vegetable oils, are pretty much coconut oil, palm kernel oil, mm -hmm. and palm oil. Mm -hmm. And the kernel and the palm is so terrible for the environment. You know, it's conflict because so many people are concerned, you know, for the animals and they don't want right. to, you know, it's it's not good for the right. animals. Well, the palm oil, which is such a heavily used um, vegetable oil in soap making, I mean, really in everything we, right. we eat. But Well, actually, I'm going to have a comment about that because mm -hmm. I, I was able to interview Bruce Fife a few weeks ago from who's, he's the guy who originally wrote the books on coconut mm. and palm and, and stuff, mostly mm -hmm. coconut. Uh, but he's visited a lot of these countries where palm oil is made. And it's not that he, according to him, what he's seen is that it's, there isn't that environmental damage and there mm. isn't the, uh, the human capital either, but it's uh, a ploy of the soy industry. Right. Yeah. Which we, you and I both know that the soy industry has been behind a lot of propaganda because they have lost so much market share to coconut and palm right. in mm -hmm. recent years. So it's, you know, there, there's two sides to that story. Sure. I personally have not seen either side, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can't there, speak to it, but, but it is, an, it is, right. an, it is an interesting way of looking at it and re-examining and trying to figure out, well, who is telling us this? Who, where, yeah. where are these messages coming from? Because it might be coming from the same people who are using it. For, right. You know, yeah. The, yeah. Well, no, it's not bad. Yeah. It could be, a, it, could, it could totally be a, a PETA propaganda for all I know. Exactly. <laughs> but you're, you're totally right. There are two sides to the story and they have, um, they've made a lot of efforts in the recent years to, um, be, you know, growing and selling marketing, um, sustainably sourced palm oil right. which is really important because otherwise so much forest has been clear-cut um you know the orangutans are in you know huge danger of um extinction in you know indonesia malaysia is another huge one i mean all over the place now they're right. they're doing these palm oil plantations right. but see I, I don't know that that's that's uh necessarily true actually um from what i because I, I actually i just remember i read another article uh over the last week that was talking about uh putting the the palm on the shoreline and, and one mm -hmm. of the things uh, bruce talks about is that it palm tree whether it's for coconut or the palm kernel mm -hmm. will last for 25 years it will keep yes. producing without raping the land for 25 years versus a soybean you know which yeah just damages acres and acres and acres and acres of topsoil and has to be replaced every year mm -hmm. so um it's a well, little interesting to see how there's the you know those those two sides as well uh because i've seen other things that substantiate and it wasn't and that what was interesting too is that this article that i read wasn't being politically yeah 
one way or another. It was just saying like, oh, we actually need to the the because the uh, palm will protect the shorelines in mm -hmm. a lot of these countries too. Yeah. Well, so he sounds he sounds like he's right on his game, and that's absolutely right. So like all these all these efforts have been um, made, and people are now spending more time and more effort um, using it in the way that it should be used. Whereas before it was like quick, cheap, yes. you know, yes. instant, whatever. That, that's a Clear cut difference. this far, forest, plant it full of palms and then four years later you finally get your first flower like you said they last for a really long time but in the meantime they're doing the same thing everywhere mm. else cut right. plant cut well, plant. i think anytime we look at and i am very uh bothered by the whole monocropping culture that we live in mm. because every time we find a new superfood and a new this everybody's got to eat it well the the you know you demand it somebody's going to supply it for crying out loud right so mm -hmm. you, you know she talked yeah. about this also on the show before. We have a kale shortage on the island because everybody freaking wants kale and right. everything they eat. <laughs> you know, and it's like right. nobody even knew what kale was a decade ago. For right, yeah, loud, it's, you know? it's the now new it's like thing. It's, it's yeah. the thing, and mm -hmm. so you know. And then next is the astaxanthin and the you yeah. know the krill and the you know, yeah. So exactly. we just you know, we, we always there's always some new superfood, and it's I do believe that you know, ninety nine percent of the time there's some whether it's environmental or human capital to be paid on the other side of the mm -hmm. planet uh, for your bowl of quinoa because nobody eats wheat anymore right and, mm -hmm. <laughs> because uh you know we've just created a monster essentially yeah um, absolutely you know, yeah i mean we we now push everything to extremes right it's mm -hmm. always like it's black and white you know this is good this is bad there's very little balance anymore it makes it difficult to, it does make it difficult yeah. and that's why you know, everybody's kale, I eat spinach, you know, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> bring a little bit of balance because, you know, there's whenever somebody tells you that there's only one solution, right? It's not, um, it's, it's usually not the case. Right. Uh, it's, it's more fear, fear driven mm -hmm. uh, or, or greed driven. And then they use fear to convince you right. to give them money. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, exactly. Well, Dana, anything else that you would, oh, you, you said that you might be able to supply us with something for the home soap maker or, or other people who want to make. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'll put a little more thought into it, but I can, I can give a recipe technique, you know, and, and maybe one of each hot and cold process. Um, and I also have a, um, a vegetable bar for people. So, you know, if you are going to use palm oil, just use the sustainably sourced palm oil and that's, that's great. Um, but I do have a recipe for a vegetable bar for those of us out there that you know want to go that direction that doesn't use palm oil and uses um beeswax instead as a hardener nice um yeah um so i can do that and uh you know a little little bit of both yeah so uh maybe maybe what i will do now is i will ask you the listener to comment on our facebook page and let us know what you would like for Dana to supply you with, and I'll make sure that she gets it, even if I have to go to her house <laughs> stand over her while she does it. All right, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Dana, thank you so much. Uh, in that, in the uh, the report that she's going to put together, we'll have uh, contact information for her. Uh, otherwise, you can contact us at adrianhugh.com forward slash help desk and let us know that you would like to get in touch with her, whether you'd like to purchase from her or follow her or get her her website at uh, Big Island Soap Company when it's ready, if you want to get on the list for that. So just let us know what you're thinking. As always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you so much for having me, Adrian. It was okay. a lot of fun. Okay, well, we're going to have to have you back for something else. So, she she keeps bees too, folks. So <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fun. Thanks again. Thank you. 
The Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean, and our operations manager is Linda Hansen. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at nutritionheretic.com where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you just want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks. Thanks.